So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Good day, everyone. Welcome to episode 53 of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. I want to put in some like horn sound effects on today's intro. Maybe we'll do that, maybe not. You guys, my name is Ben Hartley with Six Figure Photography and the wedding photography studio that we hold down here in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you guys so much for being here. Look, the entire reason that the SFP podcast exists is really to help you guys, to help you grow personally and to help you grow in your business. Uh, We really kind of hone in on two key aspects, providing value to everyone you encounter and understanding your own self-worth, all the while diving into practical, nitty-gritty steps left and right, learning from other people who have gone before us, who've messed up, who've succeeded, and we're learning from them. You guys, I have a favor to ask of you. This has been really awesome over the last few episodes. I've been highlighting reviews that uh, that we've received over on iTunes. And I just want you guys to know I read everyone and it brings so much joy to my life. And it reminds me why I do this, why I make the the Six Figure Photography podcast for you guys. Uh, And so I want to ask you if you would do me a favor to leave a review. When you do this, first off, it makes my heart sing. Secondly, it brings in bigger names. It extends our reach. uh, uh, And so again, we just get to, to get bigger guests into the Six Figure Photography Podcast, which in turn, I hope, helps you guys. And so if you would do me a favor and leave a review, it would mean the world. You can find out how to do this over at sixfigurephotography.com backslash review. Or if you're on your phone right now listening to the podcast, you can do this directly in the podcast app. I want to highlight one more review today. This came from Bree R. Bree said this, so inspiring, been following along since the very beginning, and as always, so inspiring and educational. Bree, I see you. I see that review. Thank you so much for leaving that. It means the world to me. You guys... Today, we have Ali Ciarto. Ali leads uh, Ali & Co. Photography. It's a team of wedding and portrait photographers. They're out of East Lansing, Michigan. She also runs the podcast Photo Field Notes. Go check out her podcast. It's dope also, uh, where she shares advice, stories every Wednesday to help photographers grow and thrive in their photography business. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to find, figure out your style. Look, I'm not going to explain it all right now. That's what the episode's for. Let's jump in and talk to Allie. Welcome to the SFP Podcast, Allie. How are you doing, girl? 
I am good. I just wish that we would have a little bit, a little bit more spring weather here in Michigan. Michigan. See, there's your problem right there. You're talking to an OSU kid. Why are we, why are we even doing this right now? Why did you have to bring up Michigan? Oh, it's all about those summers. I love summer in Michigan <laughs> so much. Look, in Ohio right now, the sun is shining. It is gorgeous out. I, I just want to go and run outside, not even do anything. I just want to run. I'm not even a runner. I just want to be outside. It's You know what I mean? When you're just like cabin fever, you've been stuck indoors all winter long. I just <laughs> want to work. I do minus the running part because I am definitely not a runner. But yeah, a nice walk sounds great. <laughs> That's great. It's funny. Days like this, you know, we, we certainly have had our humble beginnings. And actually, it's funny that I say our humble beginnings. This was last year, Allie. <laughs> last year, we were working out of my garage. And it's funny, the guys, you know, we came into the office today and we looked at each other and we we're like, it's days like this that I miss working out of the garage where you could just, you know, open up the, the sliding garage door and essentially have an entire wall exposed to the outdoor. You know what I mean? That's true. That's days funny. like this. Nice. Oh, goodness. Let's go back to the garage. <laughs> Allie, where are you calling from, girl? Where are we talking? Uh, you see, you already said Michigan. Uh, tell us a little bit more about where you're from. Yeah. Okay. So I'm from East Lansing, Michigan. And actually, as of this summer, we just bought a, ourselves. This is our like big family adventure. We're never one. Our family, I have two daughters. So I have Zal, who's three, and Arden, who's one, and then my husband, Jeff. And we are never ones to just like want to live a normal life, apparently. So we just bought ourselves a 30-foot sailboat that we're planning to spend half our summer living on as a family. So I'm going to yeah, be <laughs> going back and forth from... It's about an hour and a half away. So we're going to be going back and forth from East Lansing to up in Muskegon, Michigan. And my hope is to eventually kind of work it out where we can just spend our summers fully up north and shoot, you know, shoot my weddings up there. Um, I have an associate team who shoots kind of all over the state really. So, you know, we cover all of Michigan, but I love, I love, love, love Northern Michigan. And that's, that's kind of where my heart is, especially again in the summer, <laughs> winter's a little bit different, but, um, but yeah, my heart is just all about Michigan summers and enjoying the lakes. And if anyone has never been, you should definitely put it on your list. I feel like it's underrated and such a beautiful area. Visit puremichigan.org. You got it, right? right? Those commercials? Those yes. pure, <laughs> pure Michigan. How'd I do with that? That's Look, good. so here's the big question. Do you know how to sail? Um, my husband does. Okay. <laughs> I, he actually started teaching me last summer. And so we chartered a few boats out of Traverse City, Michigan, which is, again, northern Michigan. And he's like, all right, you're learning how to sail. And he just kind of got on me. And, you know, we're like, oh, it's a five-year plan. And he just, he talked about it again and again. And he, like, until I was really excited about the idea. He took me out on some boats, made me learn the basics. Like I would never take a boat out by myself right now, but enough to get me excited about the idea. Of course, then we're adding in these two children, which is going to be a total, like, I have no idea how it's going to go, but yeah. my hopes are I can't, high. You want me to tell you? <laughs> how it's, yeah. Well, I mean, at least the three-year-old Zal, she's excited. Like, I feel like we told her about it a little bit too soon. And now she's like, every day she wakes up like, mommy, can we go to the boat today? And we're like, um, we don't even have it yet. <laughs> yeah. So we have, uh, we have twins that are on the way actually like any day now, my wife, uh, we're going to have these boys. She's going to, she's going to give birth here. And so like, it's this a very similar thing. Our daughter's two and a half. And we told her like that the boys, you know, they're going to be here. The boys are coming. Like, you know, we keep talking about these boys and like, it's like every day, every hour, every half hour, the boys here yet boys oh, here where the 
boys, boys here. So cute. And um, yeah, it is good. It, but yeah, it's all relative, right? Um, <laughs> Allie, this is so fun. Okay, so look, it sounds like you're you're doing great things. You're living a really exciting life, and you're doing fun things. Obviously, there's always you know it always sounds more glamorous than it actually is. But let's let's rewind, right? Let's forget the sailboat. Let's forget the you know the associate team. Let's forget shooting all over Michigan, <laughs> kicking ass and taking names, and let's pull back, right? Rewind and and let's start from the beginning. Why did you decide to become a photographer? Good question. I actually, oh gosh, my story is so, so strange, I feel like. And I know everyone who has, everybody who gets into photography gets into it for a different reason and kind of finds themselves there for a different reason. So I went to Michigan State and I was all in on being an advertising executive and working my way up the corporate ladder. And that was what I was going to do. I was going to move to the big city and, you know, just like enjoy life in corporate America. And so I started that. I moved to Chicago and I got myself a job in PR. And so it was digital PR and we were doing basically monitoring social media conversations for brands and doing market research for brands. And I will well, tell you, the first year was just culture shock. I was like, wow, is this life now? Like, I remember when I had to go to the dentist and my boss was like, nope, cancel your dentist appointment. You can't go. You don't have time. Like I was like, oh I am a prisoner. <laughs> and it was really, I mean, it was really shocking and really just kind of terrifying for me to realize that this is what I was going to be doing the rest of my life. And granted, I got a different job later and it was much better. And so, um, from the first job, oh gosh. Okay. So first I have to kind of insert, there's a whole other story that goes in there. I, when I was 24, I had an opportunity to start a different company. It was called loud pixel and it was basically what I was doing in PR. So it was working with companies to monitor their social media, to, understand their customers through social media. So, so basically when I was 24, I was out for drinks with a friend and she was like, um, I said, okay, I'd like to start my own business someday, someday, like, you know, 20 years from now. And a week later she reached out to me. She's like, if you really want to start your first business, I have your first client for you. So I ended up working with some pretty big global brands kicking off that company. And it was a completely different kind of company, but we, within six months we had started, we had hired our first employee. I started it with me and my now husband, Jeff and another friend, Ryan. So we did that for years and and, you know, it went really well, like financially, it went very well. We actually went through a period, kind of the turning point was where the company that we were working with the most wanted to acquire our company and we were going all for it. We, we had met with the CEO, met, had many different meetings across six months and we came kind of to a head one day when we went to DC for a conference and we had the paperwork and we were like ready to sign on the dotted line and say, yep, we're selling our company. And I met a guy at the conference, Jeff and I both met this guy at the conference and basically over drinks, we realized that we didn't want to sell our company and that we yeah. didn't really want that life. And it was just going to kind of like put us back into corporate America again and we would be working for them and it just, it wasn't going to make us happy. And yeah. so in walking away from that, we also recognized that we were walking away from a pretty big relationship and that, you know, once that contract was over, we were pretty much like, it was sort of like you can either figure something else out or you can kind of just walk away. And at that point we were getting really burnt out from it. And we kind of thought, you know what, 
I kind of want to walk away. So yeah. in the meantime, I had started photographing weddings just as I, I always call it my alter ego because I was working with these <laughs> big global clients during the week and meeting with them. And I had to like, you know, dress in my suits or whatever. And it just, I needed that like that I needed that creative outlet to just get away from that. And so, and I think that I'm the kind of person that once I jump into something, I kind of go it all in. So Mm -hmm. I started out taking classes at the Chicago photography center, which, which isn't around anymore, which really breaks my heart. But I started there when I, when I was working in PR and I took those classes and I just got really into it. And one day I called this guy, just like, basically found someone on the knot and was the annoying person who's like, Hey, can I second shoot for you? I've never shot a wedding before. (laughs) And so I was second shooting for him on the weekends while I was running my company during the week. And then we ended up moving back to Michigan and I kind of started launching that business and slowly growing it, but really loud pixel was the main focus. So, okay. So let's see. Um, so Loud Pixel, we were running, we moved, we kind of moved all over the place, Chicago to Michigan to DC. We kind of had that nice luxury of we could live anywhere. And we knew we were going to be coming back to Michigan. And we, in 2013, I was pregnant with my first daughter. And I just remember thinking, okay, I don't really like this. I don't really like what I'm doing. And yeah. I'm going to send her to daycare every single day to do something that I don't love. Like, that seems really messed up. Why am I going to do that? And I just kind of had this realization that I wasn't doing something that I wanted. I just, I didn't want to do it for another day. I just didn't want to do it. So I kind of just went all in on photography at that point. And I had been shooting, I think like I had shot probably like 17 weddings in my highest year with photography and loud pixel, which was pretty insane, but I had no kids at the time. And yeah. so I, we kind of just phased out loud pixel and it was really, it was hard because we had employees who we had to let go. And I mean, it was not an easy decision. Well, it, it yeah. felt easy in the sense that I just knew in my heart, it wasn't something I could do anymore. Um, but it wasn't easy in the fact that we had built this thing that other people were relying on us for. So we, so we phased it out and I just kind of said, okay, I'm going to go all in on photography. And so I let's, think- let's talk about that for a quick second. Yeah. I got I to gotta jump in there <laughs> sure. and inject some thoughts here because my get, it sounds like Loudpixel was doing the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, it might not have been making you happy, but it was making you money. It was paying the bills. You were able to live uh, some semblance of a sustainable life. So yeah. you, you just dropped all of that. <laughs> I'm just like laying it back out. You dropped all that and you're like, yeah, I'll be a photographer. Let's do this thing. <laughs> Is that, I mean, it, what was, what was the thought process going through? Cause look, I think there's so many photographers who are listening right now. They're working a full-time job and while they would love to quit and, and get out of the nine to five grind and go do what they love, it just feels far too impractical to do. How did you balance that? Yeah, no, I love that you asked that because I think I see that too with people who will ask me how it's that, that elusive, that, that jump into the full-time photography that so many people struggle to get to. And I think it worked out, actually, it worked out really well for me because the way that the business kind of, it kind of phased out versus just being done on one single day. So I, when I decided that was what I wanted to do, I kind of went all in on marketing with my photography business and started booking up the clients. So this was like the fall of 2013, knowing that I could book in the fall for the next year. So that was nice just because I could plan ahead with, with weddings. I could plan ahead a little bit. And then with loud pixel, 
I did phase it out where we had big contracts that we ended on a certain date. And then I did do a little bit of extra consulting and, and actually in teaching at Michigan State. So I always tell people, if you can phase out your job or go from full-time and to part-time or get a part-time job or something to fill in those gaps to make that leap, it's so nice to be able to do that. It's also nice when you know that you have money saved up and you have an emergency fund and things like that ready to go. But yeah, absolutely. I think that the idea of phasing into, so phasing out of the full-time job and phasing into photography as your full-time job is absolutely the best way to go because you don't have to make that one big scary leap. You can get, you can build yourself up to that point where you still have some income coming in that's guaranteed. And then you can get yourself to the point where you know that the bookings are coming in, that you know you can support yourself. And that's when you can get rid of the other stuff. So yeah, I definitely did a little bit of consulting that I, that was kind of phasing down into the end of it and just finishing out contracts that would end at different times. So that helped a ton. And yeah, just knowing, just planning, like, I think it takes patience. You have to know, ultimately, this is the plan. I'm not going to get there overnight. It could take a year. It could take two years. You don't know, but being able to save up money, have a plan and phase yourself out, I think is definitely key for that. Yeah. I love the way that, uh, my man Gary talks about it. He talks about like having your main dish and then your side dishes, right? And you slowly start uh, switching one of the side dishes over to your main dish, uh, but you don't just completely get rid of one or the other. And that's what I've done at every step of the way. I, I In a similar way, Allie, I've, I've always built something in the process of having something else to just give me that security, give me the ability to grind from you know uh, 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. to go hard on that side hustle and then make it actually my main thing. You know what I mean? Uh, so it sounds like that's what you were up to. What were some of the initial strategies then, uh, entering into this transition stage of, of building the photography business, um, that, that you were trying to do? Because my guess is your time was pretty limited, right? Uh, and resources, even in regards to time, it sounds like you had your family going on. Yeah. Uh, you had your other, you know, at the time, your main job is you were phasing it out. What were some of the things that you did, uh, to, to kind of make your way, uh, to, to put your stake in the ground? Good question. So many things. I am one of those people who is just, I think I kind of already told you, like I go, if I go for something, I go all in on it and I'm obsessed with learning. I never want to stop learning. So any kind of resource I could find, I was all over it. So I, I mean, I was all in on learning about creating content and I got myself <clears throat> to a point where I was pretty high in SEO where people were finding me that way. I did take out an ad on the knot that was referring me some, a good number of weddings when I was getting started. Um, what else did I do? I, can we talk about the knot for a quick second? Yeah. I'm curious more about that. <laughs> so year one, not, I, I'm, I just want to talk about it. Cause actually I've never talked about it with a guest before. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's just one of these things that I think literally every single photographer has at one point in their career, gotten that phone call, gotten that email from Carrie at the knot <laughs> or, yes. or whatever her name is at the given moment. I know we were you just know. having that conversation among our local group. We have a really, really amazing local group of photographers who are really close yeah. and really helpful for each other. So the nice thing is that people will be like the knot. Yes. No wedding wire. Yes. No. Like what mm -hmm. do I need to know about it? So my opinion on the knot, I think that if it depends, first of all, if you can find a local community where you can ask 
them, I think it's really key. It is, there is no universal, like the not as great, the not as terrible. It, there are so many, it depends on there. So first of all, it depends. And on it me. depends so much like with your local market. It depends yeah. from a geographic. I mean, honestly, even within Ohio, one city might, uh, the not might be the thing that works really well compared to another city. So I totally agree with that. Yeah, exactly. So asking your local area, exactly. Because some areas, people who find you on the not might have like different budgets or they're just kind of different type bride types, I guess you'd say where other areas, they might actually be really high end and there it's a great place to get referrals. So yeah, there's no, I cannot sit here and be like, the knot is the best for, for everybody or the knot is terrible for everybody. It's, there are some places where people have had very bad luck with the knot and there's some places where people have had really good luck. So I actually found when I got started that I had really good luck with the knot. And, um, but it, I think it was sort of like the budgets were a little bit, uh, they were right in the spot where I was when I was starting. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And then as I kind of, as my prices went up, I still had a little bit of success, but I actually found that I got a lot more referrals through search and, referrals from other clients and a really big one that people need to never forget about referrals from other photographers. I actually think that might be one of my biggest places that I get referrals or at least on par with some of these others. So don't consider other photographers your competition because they can only do so much work and there are so many weddings going on or even portrait sessions. Like I'll refer portrait sessions to other people when they're on days that I can't do, or they're very specific things and they're not the style that I do. I'm happy to refer those to other people. So never, please, please never look at people just as your competition. Look at them as a resource where we can all help each other and refer work to each other. And just, you know, it's the whole rising tide society idea. Like a rising tide really does lift all boats and you know, we need to work together so that that we can all be successful. Yeah. I can, I can, I push on that for a quick second. Cause mm-hmm. I totally, I totally believe in that, by the way, mm-hmm. I totally believe that a rising tide lifts all boats for multiple reasons. One is there's enough room for everyone at the finish line, right? Yep. Like we can all win at this thing. People are going to keep getting married. Also, when you, when you keep building each other up and, and I raise my prices, then other people raise their prices, the whole market like goes up as a whole. Not only that, but the whole client experience goes up because as we keep like making each other better, clients are going to start expecting better things, better products, better services, all that stuff. Right. Um, and yet I also have to say this though, while I do believe that a rising tides lifts all ships, I think there's great value in competition. Like I still, I love the hell out of my photographers here in Columbus, but you're still my competition, right? Because you're going to make me better and I'm going to make you better. Hopefully, right. We're going to keep pushing each other forward. Uh, and so there's, there's this balancing act of like, I don't think it's, uh, I do, it is, it's community first, then competition, but I don't think it's community over rules competition. Does that make sense? Like, man, I think there's so much value in seeing the people around you as competitors, but they're not mutually exclusive. I can still love the hell out of my competitors and wish them the best and help them out. Um, but man, you better believe I'm wanting to win. Yeah. But Uh, but to add to that, I'll also say, I kind of, I talk about in terms of, there's a fine line where you have to look at competition as a positive thing versus letting yourself become jealous of other people. Maybe that's what it is. So So you have to look at it. Like I say, okay, let's, let's take Instagram. For example, when you, if you're on Instagram and you follow local friends who are also photographers or just anyone really, the attitude that you have to have is instead of looking at, let's say their photos, or maybe they win an award or they, they just get a really amazing wedding or they get to go shoot a wedding in some awesome place rather than going, Oh man, why didn't I get that? Or, Oh, why can't I shoot like that? 
first be like, wow, that is so amazing for them. It's so amazing that all of these people in this area get to have that experience with an amazing photographer. And yeah, like what can I learn from that? And how can I be inspired by that instead of like, (laughs) what's wrong with, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with them being successful. It's just a great inspiration for all of us to do better. Exactly. Totally. And that's great. I love that. And I wish that upon everyone, I wish everyone could think like that, but we, I mean, let's just, I mean, let's be real. I think that for many photographers, that's not the gut reaction. And I think for many people, it's not. And so let me ask you, can we push on this topic for a minute? Allie, how how do you, or how did you even um, get to that space in your mind and in your heart um, or in your life where like that became your your reaction, right? Because I don't think that's how... I think it's something that's learned probably. So how did that become your reaction? Yeah, no, you're totally, it's totally true because I will be completely honest with you, Ben. I went through a period where like the reason I say Instagram is because I would get on Instagram and I would just feel kind of down. Like I would look at all this beautiful work and I would just feel like, ugh, just like, I'd feel this ick. Like I just can't do this and look at all this, these things that they're doing. And mm-hmm. I would feel down to the point where I actually got off Instagram for like a year. I just couldn't do it. And I'll say that if you feel that way and you just can't kick it, just log off and stop looking for a little while and find inspiration within yourself and go put together like a creative shoot or just put your heart into the work that you're doing and feel really good about the work that you're doing and find your style and know your style. And I think that when I got to the point where I I felt really confident with my own style and I could appreciate that other people had either similar styles or different styles that were still beautiful that helped me. So for example, um, recently, so Mastin Labs came out with a new, a new, um, preset pack and I was looking at the work, some of the work that people had done with it. And I was like, this is really beautiful work, but I know it's not my style. It's just not what I would do. So being able to recognize that we are all different and just being able to feel confident that you know what your style is and, and not feeling like you need to experiment. And it takes some time. Oh my gosh, it takes some time to get there. But (laughs) to the point where you're not like, let me try this tweaking for this photo and this tweaking for this session and where everything, like nothing looks cohesive. I think that you have to know yourself to have that confidence to be able to appreciate everybody else without feeling jealousy. Sure. And it just takes practice. It it takes shooting everything. It takes shooting a lot. It takes trying so many different things Mm -hmm. in order to know actually what you like. I think for me, one of the ways that I've really helped, uh, and look, this is a, by the way, this is still like a, a day weekly, if not daily struggle, right? You see something and you have to actually, for me, I'm at the point where I have to actually really logically reason through this whole transaction. If I see something that makes me feel envious, I have to actually logically conclude that envy will only destroy my heart. That's all it's going to do. It's only going to destroy me. And I have to recognize that fact and then move on and conquer the world. Right. Um, and, and, and alongside that, one of the, the, this is super practical. One of the best ways look, even if before you get off Instagram, if that's what you need to do, one of the most practical things that I think you can do to set yourself free, uh, is to encourage people is to, is to, to recognize that person or that industry or that photographer, whatever it is that is kind of eating at you a little bit. And dude, let's cut the shit. Let's just recognize the fact that it might not even be photographers. Maybe it's like a neighbor. Maybe it's another parent whose kids are nicer than yours, <laughs> right? Like, let's just be super real for a second. Uh, I think you you need to actually encourage them 
Like actually like wish them well, truly find that place in your heart to encourage them, to like their post, (laughs) to leave them a little comment like, this is so cool. I'm really excited for you. And then stop looking at their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Two more quick things on that. First, I was listening to a podcast recently where it said, they said, if you're jealous of someone, you need to become friends with them, which I think is so curious if you're not already like become friends with them. And then it just, it really does help. And the other thing, let's talk about that because the reason it helps is because you become empathetic towards their situation. It's like you build a relationship, you understand where they're actually coming from and empathy is, is everything. Sorry, keep going. Oh, well, you basically just said my second point. The other point is you don't know what they had to do to get there. So you have to kind of ask yourself, would I be willing to do the things that they had to do to get there? So if someone puts out this beautiful styled shoe and you're like, well, I'm not going to take the time to put together a styled shoe, then okay, you're not going to do it. You know, if somebody goes and, and starts shooting in some beautiful place, you have to think about what steps did they take to get there and either take that as a learning experience and say, okay, let me now do those things so that I can get there. Or just say, you know what? I'm not willing to do those things. And it's awesome that they are but I have my own path and I'm going to go down my own, my own path here. You guys, I got to interrupt for a hot second and give a awesome thank you shout out to one of the big supporters of the SFP podcast. I want to thank FreshBooks. You guys, I, I get the chance to talk to hundreds, if not thousands of photographers on the weekly. And one of the consistent things that I hear time and time again in regards to challenges in the business, points of pain within running your own business as a freelance photographer is accounting. It's, it just comes up every single time. What do I do with accounting? How do I manage this? Where do I outsource? Do I outsource? Like I'm supposed to be a creative. I don't do well with numbers. I don't track numbers well. Even getting paid, like how do I make sure uh, that I'm processing payments properly, tracking all that data properly? And one of the best pieces of advice that I have for you if you're running your business is make sure that you have a system in place uh, to help you uh, with your invoicing, a system in place to help you uh, track your your payments, a system in place uh, to help you track all of your accounting. And so with that being said, you guys, please do yourself the biggest favor that you can and go check out FreshBooks. And this is now a super no-brainer because there's a 30-day free trial that I'll tell you guys about here in just a minute. But FreshBooks has been completely redesigned, uh, just com- like completely from the ground up. It's an all cloud-based accounting software that's going to allow you to create professional invoices in like 30 seconds, set up online payments within just a couple of clicks that will allow you to get paid up to four times faster. And a really cool feature is you can actually view, track when your client has seen those invoices. And it really puts an end to that guessing game of when is the money going to show up for you guys. And so here's the deal. Like I said, FreshBooks please go check it out. They are offering you guys a 30-day unrestricted free trial. It's the full package for 30 days to claim it. It's just for you guys, by the way. To claim it, you need to go to freshbooks.com backslash photography, and then you need to enter six figure photography. That's S-I-X, six figure photography in the how did you hear about a section and they're going to hook you guys up. Please do yourself a favor and look into this. All right, let's jump back in. Let's talk about finding your voice because you you had to enter into this sea of photographers uh, and kind of like I was saying, put your stake on the ground. Uh, it sounds like you started to get some clients early on. How did you figure out 
the direction that you were going to move your your brand positioning to and your style to, uh, what you were even going to photograph. I think there's so many photographers that are like, I don't know if I want to photograph babies or weddings or seniors. <laughs> How did you find your voice as a photographer? Yeah, well, it's actually a really good segue because kind of going back to that whole like jealousy and comparison thing, I think that when I first started out, I would look at other photographers who I thought maybe I admired or maybe they had really big voices in the photography industry. And I would look at them and they would be, let's take, for example, maybe they're like really bold and they do big, colorful things or their personalities are really big, bold, loud, friendly, like big bear hug personalities. And I would be like, well, I like that. So I think obviously I have to be that to be successful. Like that's what I have to be. But turns out that's not who I am. So I think the first thing (laughs) was just realizing I have to know who I actually am and I can't fake it. So, um, so one big part of kind of the client experience is, is knowing yourself and looking at looking at how you interact with your clients. So I, I use the analogy of for wedding photographers, the dance floor, you'll see a lot of wedding photographers who will talk about how they're going to be the first one out there on the dance floor doing the dance and like partying up and getting people energized and the life of the party and, you know, just that like big energy. And a lot of clients just love that. They're all about that. And it's, it's definitely a path to success in terms of attracting clients, but I am just not that person. So if I try to say that that's who I am, it is not going to work because then they're going to see me doing like the fish stick dance on the dance floor. It's not going to. It's just <laughs> what not, is the fish stick dance, Allie? <laughs> just look it up. You'll. Uh, I'm going to let you look that one up. All right. It was definitely. It. <laughs> I'm going to drop a link in the show notes to the fish the fish stick dance for everyone. As long as it's appropriate, it's there'll totally be a link in the show notes. I'm the master. Okay, good. I'm, I'm like, master. I don't know what I'm getting into here, Allie. <laughs> just a really awkward, silly dance. All right. Check out links in the show notes. <laughs> All right. Definitely. So, um, so, so for me, I realized first thing, just recognizing who I am that rather than being this big, bold personality, I'm actually more of the calming presence where I see, you know, look at how people compliment you or look at how the people you interact with, what, what that looks like. So people would always compliment me for being the calming presence. They'd be like, I was so stressed out today coming into this with everything and you just have this calming presence and you really calm me down and you're there to do whatever it takes, like sew me into my dress, which I've done. And, you know, just, just quietly kind of knowing when to come in and direct, but also knowing when to just quietly kind of tuck myself away and wait for those moments. And, and then they don't even know that I'm there. So that's the kind of person that I work well with the person who wants somebody who knows when to kind of tuck away and can get things where they're like, I didn't even know you were there. Like that to me is the biggest compliment when they say, I didn't even know you were there. And then here you had this moment that I never knew you captured. Um, so I had to go with that. I had to be all in on that. So let me kind of go through, there's four, four core areas that I'd say your brand voice really comes out. But the first thing you have to do is know who you are and who your audience is. So to, well, let's start with the areas. Okay. So the first one with your brand voice, so you're putting yourself out there. What does your brand look like? What do you look like to your potential clients or your current clients? So obviously the words you use, that's going to be a big thing. So this is really funny when I'm typing anything, email on my website, on Instagram, I generally, unless it's something I'm really excited about, will only use one 
exclamation mark total <laughs> because oh I'm God. not like you and I are so opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like you work so well for you and I work so well for me. So I love it. So if I have more than one exclamation or like occasionally, you know, like all capital words, like maybe one small, all capital word. If I have too many, I'm like, Nope, too loud. That's not me. So I always am changing out. Like I'm like one exclamation. And then I'm all about the smiley faces. Like then if you go back and look at my emails, you'll see one exclamation and like a smiley face. <laughs> because Here's the main question, are you doing like actual emojis or is it like colon, you know, capital D? I mean, it depends you know? on where it is. <laughs> like okay. social oh, media, oh, okay. like if it's it, so. Instagram, it's like the regular smile, but you get what I'm saying, right? So like, I'm not like the words that I use are generally they're calming. They're not, they're not overly romantic. They're kind of like down to earth and calming and friendly. And, uh, <laughs> and that reflects who I am so that people from the very get go, they know that I'm not like this big, loud person that I'm kind of like a quiet, quiet, more reserved, calming person. Um, yeah, and so just to verify, I just went back through your email to me and you are 100% accurate. Yep. There is, uh, at most, if ever one exclamation point, it's always like one and then a yep. smiley and, every, email. and then a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. It's so true. So it's things like that. I mean, literally like capital words and exclamations and just the way that you use your language really ties into who you are as a person. And if you are not a loud person, then you probably shouldn't be using a ton of exclamation marks and a ton of big, you know, like capitalized letters and things like that. So then it ties into, so you want this all to be cohesive. The next thing looking at just like your branding elements. So again, with colors, the colors that I use are more neutral and calming and light. They're not like big, bold pink and anything that's, that's really just loud. Um, and the fonts that I use tend to be just very simple. They're not big and crazy. Everything just kind of ties together in that way. And then, um, the last thing I think that's important, obviously to, to pull it all together is do your photos also reflect that element? So what I mean is if you have photos that are really dark and moody, you're not necessarily going to pair those with a bright pink on your website or like a really crazy font. So you want everything. So you have your words, your, your colors and branding elements, your photo, the photos themselves, and then your client experience. You want that all to come together in a way that's cohesive. And last thing, and I think Ben, from what I've seen you do this really well, even what you wear really reflects your brand voice and your personality. So I think it's huge. And I actually noticed a huge difference when I first started shooting as a second shooter or third shooter, I always had to wear, it's kind of funny because I told you I wore suits and things like that into meetings. I actually had to wear full suit, like women, you know, pantsuits to shoot weddings with this first photographer. Yeah. And you know, that puts out a certain personality. Like it's, it was very professional and it was very like, you know, that was the brand that I was shooting under. But I found with my own self, you know, I kind of went through different phases of like, pants and what to wear and all these different things. And I found for myself when I started wearing dresses where I looked like a wedding guest, but they were, you know, like they were obviously built where I could still move and I had pockets and things like that. And sometimes even a color that kind of went in with my brand. When I started to dress the part and look like a wedding guest, I started to get treated with so much more respect from everyone. And I started to get compliments every single wedding before they even saw a single photo, they would come up to me and say, you just have been doing such a wonderful job. And I was like, 
you literally haven't seen a single photo that I've taken, but it was because I looked the part and it, it all pulled together. So I looked nice. So I think that if you take one thing away from today, it's that you need to, you need to care about how you present yourself in what you wear when you go to a wedding, even when you go to a portrait session, if I, when I even meet with people for the first time, you know, there have been days that I'm like, Oh, jeans and whatever. And I notice the difference. So if you can dress up and dress the part and show that you care and that you want to create that brand all around, people are definitely going to, they're just, they'll notice it for sure. Sure. And on that note too, at least, I mean, I think certain people probably weigh this a little bit differently, but I, I like, it's an internal thing for me. Like I notice it. I carry myself differently when I roll into the office, you know, like I got a bad night's sleep or, or the kids are up late or whatever it is. And I, you know, haven't showered, don't actually have like pants on. I'm just got like pajamas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it actually messes with me. It messes with my day. Uh, and so it's even, it even changes it's like an internal thing. It changes the way that you actually will go about your own actions. Uh, I think there's so much power in that. Yeah. I think you do feel, you just feel so much more confident knowing that you look good and you fit in and that people aren't like, I never want people to look at me and be like, Oh, she must be a vendor or she must be the photographer because (laughs) of, because I'm not dressed as nicely as everybody else. And I think that like, I love it when people come up and they're like, Oh my gosh, I love your dress. And it kind of creates this conversation starter. And it's just, it's really, it's really nice. Nice. So then what, like, so out of these four things that you're talking about, um, I want to give kind of a big, uh, maybe one last takeaway for the audience before we go in terms of like, what was your strategy in beginning to understand what this looked like for you. And we're talking about your imagery, your style, your, your outward brand, your actual, um, your, you know, your voice, your content, your, your copywriting words, like how do you have a a tip? Do you have any sort of advice for the listeners out there for how to actually begin to understand how they can learn what this is for them? Because I think that's kind of overwhelming. We're like entering into this and already the photography thing alone is overwhelming. Finding clients alone is overwhelming. And then we need to figure out our own personal voice. Do you have any recommendations? I totally do. Um, so first thing that I love to do is talking about understanding both your ideal client and yourself. I like to look at, I love to create a Pinterest board, honestly. So I like to just create like a private secret Pinterest board where I can start pinning things that represent, it's not branding elements where I'm like, Ooh, this person's brand is pretty or this other photographer. It's not that comparison, like get completely outside of photography. And I look at brands that kind of have that, the middle ground brands that are brands that I love that are not photographers and the brands that I think that my clients would love. And I just pin all the things that I think are that middle ground. So, um, so, okay, let me give you examples. And I have these written down. So I have always been drawn toward West Elm and then you think of words that go with that. So West Elm to me, it gives me the feelings of warm and welcoming and cozy and classic and clean and creative. And so I'm looking at those kind of middle ground brands and I'm looking at the words and the feelings that they give me. And I'm using that as inspiration to say, okay, yes, this is the kind of feel that I want for my brand. So another one that I have schoolhouse electric, which is, (laughs) which is where we got our lights in our kitchen. So, you know, I love them. Um, and so they have the feeling of sophistication and their they're, but they're still warm. So they're sophisticated, but warm and they're inspired and sunny and kind of that feeling of everyday luxury, but you know, attainable luxury. And, um, 
Then another one that's really great, if you have like local restaurants or local coffee shops, there's a local coffee shop near us called Chapeleur. <laughs> and they are, um, they kind of have those, the similar feelings like classic and they're friendly and a lot of that white space and just open and bright and all of these feelings. So looking at brands. Okay. So <clears throat> So those are the brands that I've said that fit for me, but I think it's also useful for me to know the brands that don't fit for me. So like, I am not a, a Kate Spade kind of person that's like colorful and bold. Again, those colorful, big, bold, but a lot of photographers will fit really well into that and their clients will be really attracted to that. I'm definitely not like an Oprah kind of personality. So looking at just the different types of brands, but please, please get outside of photography. Don't look at other photographers. Look at other brands that can give you those feelings and th that inspiration, even those color palettes that kind of tie in nicely to who you are and the types of brands that your ideal clients would be drawn to too. So that's where I would start. Just get crazy on Pinterest and just start pinning. Like, Don't pin branding elements. Don't get too specific yet where you're like, yeah, I'm going to pin this because this looks great for my logo or my packaging. Just look more broadly at the types of brands that give the same feelings that you want to give. And then you can kind of step back and create words like, you know, warm and friendly and, and like quirky, but not weird. And just all of these different words that describe who you are. And then you can start to incorporate that into the branding elements that go with that, the colors that go with that, the fonts, the words, everything else. But I think you have to start by really like diving deep and understanding who you are and who your ideal client is and what they're looking for. I love it. And when you start with that, I mean, that gives you the starting place. And then, you know, my encouragement as well is to know this, it is an ever evolving process. And so my, one of my, my best piece of advice is to be constantly looking for opportunities, uh, to adjust and to change and to implement and, and implement those changes. Not just think about it, but actually implement. Um, but to constantly be looking for, for ways that you can keep finessing and focusing this thing. And it's going to keep getting focused. It's going to keep finessing, um, and, and be open for that. You know what I mean? No, I love that you said that because I just told a friend yesterday that I literally like my about page, for example, I think I tweak it like once a month or once every two weeks because I'm always like, Oh no, this could be a little bit more me. And you know, I think I can't remember if I said earlier, it started out very like romantic language about all of these things that it was just sort of general and romantic and love. And I was like, that doesn't really speak to who I actually am. Even if that's true, it doesn't really speak to who I actually am. So yeah, like tweak all the time and, and tweak and test and try different things and yeah, never, never stop, never stop Love adjusting. It. Awesome. Ellie, where can people find more of, of you and learn more from you and discover more of what you're up to? You got a podcast over there, right? I do. Yeah. My, my podcast is photofieldnotes.com. So you can check that out over there. I feel like Ben, we're going to have to, I'll have to have you on my podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> let's do this thing. Story. Yeah. And so photofieldnotes.com, you can find me on Instagram at Ali Ciarto. So Ali can, because Allie can be spelled every which way I'll spell it for you. It's A-L-L-I-E. And then my last name is S as in Sam, I-A-R-T-O. And then my website is Allieand.co. So that's my photography website. Nice. We'll get links down in the show notes for everyone. Allie, this has been a really fun conversation. I love the direction we took. I love how we kind of popcorn around some different things, but we made sure to talk about some stuff that we each have some deep convictions about. Um, and so thank you so much for, for just spending some time with us today. Yeah, Ben, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If I could sum up this episode in two words, it's like this. Strategy, 
branding, strategy and branding. You guys, you need to spend time with strategy and branding. And I hope that this gave you some great ideas on how to do that. You guys, if you would, could you do me? I would love to have you follow along in more of my journey, not just with Six Figure Photography and the podcast, uh, but more of what's going on behind the scenes. Hop over on Instagram and follow me personally at J Ben Hartley. Yes, my name is not just Ben Hartley. It is the letter J and then Ben Hartley. J Ben Hartley on Instagram. I will see you guys there. And then following up, I'll see you on episode 54 of the SFP podcast. You guys keep working hard. Keep loving hard. Keep shooting smart, and I know you will win. We'll see you next episode.